how insurance claims are going away. I don't believe that. You know, I've kind of been around long enough to not take that too seriously. If you design your business that's dependent on hurricanes, it's not going to go very well if there's no hurricane. If you could just learn the basics of the building codes, most adjusters don't know anything about building codes. So there's mm. the advantage. To me, every job site is like a crime scene that has to be investigated. Hey, how's it going? It's Tim Brown, and this is the Hook Better Leads podcast. And today I have Chad Michael of Insurance Restoration Training on. How you doing, Chad? I am very well, thanks. How about yourself, Tim? I'm doing excellent. And uh, today we're talking about how insurance claims are going away, right? And, and <laughs> tell me a little bit about your background and then about that idea about how insurance claims are going away. Sure. Yeah, that's uh, hilarious, by the way. That is hilarious. Yeah. Um, so I'm starting my 24th year in this industry. And that's, that's comical that you say that because that's something that I've been hearing, you know, since I first began was that insurance work is going away. The whole game's changing, you know, the property damage insurance coverage is not even going to exist. Uh, I don't believe that, you know, I've kind of been around long enough to not take that too seriously. Does it change? Absolutely. I mean, it, it, the, you know, transitions and evolves all the time and the insurance companies are always going to come up with new ways to throw obstacles in into the paths of contractors and and property owners who are trying to get their repairs uh fixed right but uh, it's not going to go away i don't i don't see the insurance companies uh ceasing to take and accept people's premiums uh to pay for property damage but uh, my background so i started out uh, you know the my very first entry into the industry was a roofing sales rep. Uh, I had a, there was a hailstorm in my background in my backyard in, o in Ohio that I didn't even know about, but I went to apply for a job. My, I had a landscaping company that I totally ran into the ground. <laughs> it was a disaster. And I found myself looking for a job and I was looking in the paper and the classifieds, you know, if that dates me, but, uh, and I saw a job for a roofing sales position and I went in and learned all about the hail and, you know, was fascinated, fascinated that, you know, insurance companies would pay for this and that hail did that much damage to the roof. Um, but I didn't do that well in the beginning. You know, I really did. People would think that I did super well getting started, but I didn't. It was before Eagle View and, uh, you know, you had to hand draw the roof and do all the calculations, which I found extremely crippling because I mean, I could get through it and do it and today I could still do it. Uh, but in the very beginning, that was tough because I didn't even know what, you know, uh, the Eve was the rake. It was very, very complicated. Some, some you know, to me. We'll never know the pain, huh? Oh, it was, it was, it was very tough. And so That's I was kind of in and out of it. I struggled with it. I was doing other things, you know, I was, I was helping my cousin with his business and doing with a mortgage business and doing other type of work. And uh, it just it just didn't look like I had much of a future in that industry until 04 came around and uh, hurricanes Gene, Charlie, Francis and Ivan all hit Florida like within a month of each other. Like it was really crazy. Yeah. So the entire as many places in Florida where there's just tons of work and um, 
there, my wife, her friend was dating a guy. I know it's complicated, but he was in town in Dayton, Ohio, where I'm from. And, uh, he was, was back in town in Dayton for the weekend. And he had been down in Orlando working on the, the roofs down there. And he was like, Oh, Chad, you can make millions of dollars. You know, he's a cowboy guy. He set me up with a company that he had all these promises worked out that never came to pass. You know, like, like went and worked for several different contractors that really didn't have their stuff together in Florida. Um, and then, then I really started to get it. You know, I started to use Xactimate even back then and started to figure out, you know, how, how to uh, sort of use the insurance company's methods against them and got better at the, uh, estimating angle and the supplements. And that's really where I found my niche was in the inspections, the estimates, and the supplements when it comes to the insurance companies. Um, and I ultimately ended up, you know, starting my own company in Florida. And, and then 2005, the, the next year after those storms was Hurricane Wilma in South Florida, really cleaned up, did a lot, did very well down there. And then but I made the mistake then of thinking that there was always going to be a hurricane every year in Florida, you know, and I think everybody else thought that too. There were so many happening that we all yeah. thought, you know, there was, there was certain types of businesses that were opening that were just like uh, dependent on hurricanes, like hurricane shutter companies and things like that. And mm -hmm. it just didn't work out for me because there wouldn't be another major hurricane to really strike of any significance, uh, Florida for another 12 years. So cool. Uh, if you kind of do look at the the math there on what what year that was, 2005, you know, then 2006, I was still doing pretty well. Started to slow down in 2007, and then the real estate crisis came in 2008. So construction and I had morphed into doing more uh, retail work at that point had just ground to a halt, and so I was dying in Florida. You know, I didn't know what I was going to do, and then um, 2000. You know, the 2008 Hurricane Ike hit uh, Texas, South Texas. And so I was like, oh, new life. You know, this is a storm I could work and I could get, you know, started up again and kind of restart myself. And um, so I, I went to Texas. That was my beginning uh, of my Texas journey, which lasted another 15 years. I would ultimately move there, settle down in Dallas. And the mistake I made in Florida was not doing any other type of insurance restoration work. I was only doing hurricane work. Like I didn't do water damage work, fire damage, hail damage. I didn't, I still didn't do a lot of hail damage. And that, that was the mistake because, you know, if you, if you design your business that's dependent on hurricanes, it's not going to go very well if there's no hurricanes. But all yeah, those yeah. other types of occasions happen all the time. And so when I went to Dallas, I really got more and more serious about the water damage side of it, the fire damage and hail damage. I didn't know that Dallas was so active with hail at that time, um, but had a good, good career there. You know, I got into more commercial work. So, you know, before I knew it, I was doing uh, an apartment damage, apartment complex fire damage project, you know, worth almost a million dollars and did other jobs that were in the millions. And, um, so things got a lot better for me again in Texas. I had a daughter in 2009 and uh, that just changed everything. You know, I, I, at one point I was about a hundred pounds heavier than I am right now. Uh, I had uh, high blood pressure, medical pro, you know, challenges. And um, I mean, that was 
I was twice the size. You know, I have to get, you know, get, show you a picture later on. But um, I started to get serious about my health, you know, I, because I realized that a lot of my problems were coming from the business, from work. I, I loved the challenges of the insurance company. That was a thing I enjoyed. I loved it. That's my passion. But everything else associated with it was draining me dry. And I just, I, I was getting older and I, I realized that I really wanted to do what I enjoyed the most, which was not all of it. It was only one aspect of it. And so I was able to make an exit and sell my company and started a online supplementing company, an online Xactimate estimate writing company. And at the time, you know, 2010, 2011 is when I really got that off the ground. There was no one else doing it. You know, now there were probably hundreds of companies doing it, but the, the tech, technology just wasn't there yet as far as designing a portal and uh, managing a bunch of clients and, and like a CRM, but I had the challenge of managing my clients' clients. So it was, I designed uh, on my site a portal to handle the entire process. And before I know it, I'm doing a hundred and thousands of Xactimate estimates all over the country and in Canada. We were writing estimates in French uh, in Quebec, you know, at Xactimate estimates. So um, that really took off. And then I got it to where that was too big for me. You know, it was like, I, I've realized as I've gotten older that the more people you have working for you, it's like you work for those people. You know, you're constantly just grinding, working all the time. And uh, I, I realized that I wanted to spend you know, more time with my daughter, more time with my family and, and slow it down a bit. I was getting older. So I ended up selling that company and got more into the training aspect of things. And the reason why I did that, I know I'm just talking and talking, but uh, the training, try to get through as quick as I can. The training aspect of it began because my clients who I was writing estimates for, they were not doing good inspections. They weren't getting me good photos that we could use to write better estimates. So Ooh. I had a guy in San Antonio ask me, can you do a video and to show my guys, my sales reps, how to do better inspections? And so I just moved into my house at the time that had hail damage and it was vacant. And so I went around and did videos, but I realized I couldn't, I had no way of sending this video. I didn't, I didn't know how to send it. And so I put it on YouTube to send it to them and just share the link. And my YouTube channel just sort of took off accidentally. Like I had other people watching it and asking me questions. And how do you do this? And how do you do that? And so I started sharing. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah, it was before company camp. Um, so I started doing this thing where I would share an Xactimate estimate from like State Farm and go through it and show where it was kind of wrong. It's called what's wrong with this insurance estimate. And, huh. um, and then I would show the estimate that I wrote and then share that and then show the revised copy of where it ended up. And then I, I made that a series and kept doing that. And so just by mistake, realized that there was a vacuum for information. You know, people mm -hmm. didn't know just basic stuff about handling supplements with insurance companies. And mm -hmm. so that, pro that uh, led me to start an online training course five years ago um, and where I have almost 1,900 students today, and then we do the, the live events. Awesome. And I'm excited to talk about a few key nuggets, key nuggets that you've gotten that, that you know really help people on inspections, estimates, and supplements. Sure. Um, before we get into that, I just want to talk briefly about the current state of the relationship between roofers and insurance companies. I think 
as an outside perspective, I have a basic thought that is not the predominant thought for roofers generally, which is like, why is this your job with insurance companies? Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of these things don't seem to be related to roofing. You know what I mean? Like you're talking about, yeah. we put on roofs, we, we, we go out to a customer with a problem and then we put on roofs. There's just a little bit of like, why is this whole thing with the insurance company your job? So where, yeah, it's crazy, this, right? it feels like it's like the, it feels like it's like, has it, has, it couldn't have always been this way. What, where, why are we here? Yeah. That's such a good question. Right. And it's a good, uh, per, you know, take I get it, but we'll get into nitty gritty in a second, but I just want to like, from yeah. your perspective, why Happy to answer it? Yeah. <laughs> Happy to answer. You know, one of the things yeah. about my events is I've, I've, you know, personally met well over a thousand contractors face to face all over the country. And I've heard them, you know, their questions. We do a lot of questions and answers and I, I get a lot of, you know, questions about these kind of things. I think one of the, you know, one of the things that's going around the industry that you hear about is, have you heard about the lump sum method? Have you heard that, yeah. that term, the yeah. lump sum method? Like, yeah. um, that's just, just to give you a quick example, one of the things that I think causes problems, like the lump sum method is basically saying, look, we reject your exactimate estimating software, Mr. Insurance Company. You know, we don't have to use it, which is true. You don't have to use it. There's nothing that says that roofers or any other contractors have to use exactimate, which is the pricing software for anybody that doesn't know watching this. Um, that insurance companies, most insurance companies use over 90% of them um, to price all of the materials on the job, right? So at, the reason why jobs are short, okay, the reason why the prices are short, and they're all short, every insurance estimate I've ever looked at is short. And the reason why, though, is not because of the software they're using, it's because they're missing line items from the estimate. It's as simple as that. They're missing line items. Each line item equals a dollar amount, right? And so like roofers run into problems because they'll get there and they'll say, okay, I'm going to do this roof. It's, you know, 50 squares. It's a, it's a laminated composition shingle roof, and it's going to be this amount. And they'll put a dollar amount on it, right? And they'll submit it that way. And so a homeowner, for example, submits that to their adjuster and the adjuster's like, okay, like we might pay for that. <laughs> even though, you know, even though it's well over our estimate that we wrote previously, we might pay for it for that, but we need a breakdown of what all that's including. We need the line items, right? And so the lump sum method is, 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 is a, a method where you're just like, screw you. <laughs> I'm not breaking it down for you. This is my price. You're either going to pay it or you're not going to pay it. And so most of the time, that's going to cause friction. Almost all the time, that's going to cause friction, whether right or wrong. I'm not saying that it should that it, that it should cause friction. I mean, maybe the insurance company should pay for it, right? But they're just most likely not going to. So they're going to push back. And so instead of going through that process and giving the answers back to the insurance company and you know playing along with them at least, um, then the lump sum guys, from what I could tell is that that crowd is they're like if you don't pay it then we're just going to go to appraisal okay send it straight to appraisal or some of them will you know have their their clients send it out to a public adjuster and maybe that ends and up you, in appraisal or they'll or they'll send it say, out to a lawyer 
and you say don't do appraisals. So why yeah, well, are you I do. saying don't do appraisals? If you could give it to me in a minute or less, why okay. not? So first, I, I can qualify that by saying you could say I have no idea what I'm talking about because I've never done an appraisal. Never. Never done an appraisal. If you're not using company cam, you're in the old ways. You know, if you are taking pictures, you're going through extra steps of having to download them on a computer, having to email them out to people, show somebody, print them out, whatever it is. Company cam has everything you want. The reason why I say don't do appraisals is because through the appraisal process, you essentially have one bite at the apple. You know, once you go through the process, if you, if, you know, the home, the property owner has an appraiser that they use that's on their side. The insurance company has an appraiser that they use that's on their side. Then they have a third party so-called unbiased umpire that's there in the middle to decide if they can't come up with an agreement, right? Well, if they come up with an agreement, then that's binding, all right? That amount is binding. If there's something else that comes up on the job, it's not getting paid for. So, mm. I mean, my thing is like what I do is like people ask how many rounds you have to go through the supplementing process. The answer, as many rounds as necessary. As many rounds as it takes, as many as necessary. This Whereas the supplementing- can I, can I just stop you for a second? Yeah. This kind of gets to my question around why is it our job? Isn't that amount of rounds exhausting the resources it, of the roofer? It is, but but I try to keep my supplementing just to the estimating part of things, okay? Mm -hmm. Meaning like your estimate is short because it doesn't have enough line items, okay? And part of the reason why that is is because you didn't do a good enough inspection, so you didn't even see a lot of the damage, all right? Mm -hmm. So I document that damage because to me, every job site is like a crime scene that has to be investigated. I'm a little more mm -hmm. old fashioned in the sense that I'm not gonna use any silver bullets or magic forms or policy language or law books to try to achieve my result. What I'm going to do is go and document the actual damage that is there that actually happened and collect that like it's evidence. Like the whole place has to be dusted for, for prints and then How put it into a legible format. How long should an inspection take, a roof inspection take? Great, great question. So I think that, you know, if people ask me, do you ever write an estimate just for a roof? No, because if there's something that happened to the roof, there's something that happened somewhere else on the property. So any property I look at, if it is a roof damage uh, prop, uh, claim, I'm probably looking at every room, closet, and hallway in the whole property, the attic, you know, I'm flying a drone, I'm getting up on the roof. I'm doing a lot more. Every inch of every elevation is going to get looked at, right? Everything. So every that, ceiling. Would you say that a roof inspection without looking at an attic is incomplete? It's incompetence is what it is. Especially if you if you have a way of getting into the attic, then it's incompetence. I mean, because if there's damage to the decking, for example, and people, they run in this challenge where the insurance company says, we're not going to pay for the decking because we don't pay for rot. See, that's policy language, right? I stay away from policy language. But what it is though, is it's against building code. So if there's wet decking, there's like three different building codes that should get that decking approved. The insurance adjuster most likely has no idea about that. I mean, and that's one of, one of the arbitrages, one of the weaknesses that, that the insurance companies have that most contractors don't see. See, most contractors, we come into these uh, conflicts with adjusters with our arms tied behind our back. And the reason is because the adjuster's always like, 
We don't pay for that. The policy doesn't cover that. The policy this, the policy that. If an adjuster ever says that to me, I will physically repel from them and say, whoa, it sounds to me like you're, t- you're discussing policy and coverage, and I can't discuss that, okay? So, like, as a contractor, the contractor cannot discuss policy coverage. It's out of bounds. And so, but there are so many people out there saying that the contractor cannot discuss things that they can't. They say that they can't discuss price. They can't identify damage. Some say that they're not allowed to talk to the adjusters at all. Those are all myths, and they're all very inaccurate. But the other thing they are allowed to discuss is building codes. Contractors have to comply with building codes. It is the law. And so in in insurance policies, I know I say I don't like to talk about policy, but there is ordinance and law. So that's building code compliance coverage. We yeah, can well, talk about I, through my through my course I qualify. Like you need to know yeah. do they have the coverage, you know, and do they have ordinance and law, right? And that's building building code compliance. If they have that, then the insurance company has to pay to comply with the code. So it's I'm not like, look, I represent and my what would client. You say, what percentage of, of like homeowner policies have building code compliance in them as you're talking about it? Most, you said, most of that, them most of them think of it this way. If they have a mortgage, a conventional mortgage, they probably have to have it, right? So, okay. so it's, really think a, that, it's really a very small percentage that doesn't need the correct. code. Stuff. Correct. Yeah, okay. You do run into it and you do see it. And it's very, very important to know if they have it or not. But see, the thing is, is that most contractors don't know anything about building codes, even in Florida, where they have to go through testing and other states where it's very strict. Um, but they don't know anything really about them. I was, I was one of those guys. I didn't know. Yeah. I thought that the people I was around did, so I didn't have to really know as much. I now realize those people didn't know anything about building codes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing. If you could just learn the basics of the building codes, most adjusters don't know anything about building codes. So there's hmm. the advantage. There's the advantage. Yeah. And so my thing is I don't. I try to stay away from policy coverage. And you ask, why should a roofer have to do all this, right, as a yeah. contractor? My thing is I just want to focus on the damage, right? The repairs that it's going to take to fix it, the building codes that I have to comply with to get there, right? And including each and every line item. And to me, in the estimate, if I could back up every item with a photo and or a building code, that would be great. You know, I, I can't do that on every item, but I sure am gunning for it, you know, and I'm, and I'm using very extensive footnotes. Um, the contractor is not hired to win an insurance claim. They're not hired to fix a roof. They're not hired to do any of that. My thing is the contractor at a very basic and fundamental level, they are hired to do one thing. The thing they're contractually obligated to do is to perform all repairs that are prescribed by the insurance claim, period. So like if I'm a contractor and I show up to me with an adjuster, right? You're you're trying to teach that sentence to people. I'm hired. I say it over and over and over and over and over like, Almost every response to an adjuster, they say, we're not paying for that. Why do you have that on your estimate? You know, my thing would, it would start from, well, Mr. Adjuster, I was hired as the contractor to perform all repairs that are prescribed by you. You laid it out this way. I attempted to make those repairs to go through that process, and I ran into a brick wall. It won't work because of ABC, including building codes and other information. As a non-roofer, I just want to note, because we're talking about how you know, the, the, the funny intro to this is that all insurance claims are going away. <clears throat> I see it very simply in a way. It's like, 
is all roof damage going away? Because yeah, so all roof damage is not going away. So then there's still roofs to replace. This just happens to be the funny, weird way that we have to get roofs replaced at the moment. We have to go through all this bureaucracy. And, yeah. But why do insurance companies really ultimately want to cover real damage? What? Why? Because it's it's one. It's you know it's obligated by the fact that they they this homeowner was paying for a long time, and ultimately, if the homeowners all hate them, then they're not going to get any more money. But it's also they don't want there to be more damage, right? Because if you have like mold in a house, you could this house could be ruined. Totally. There's no yeah, I mean, and, and side note, not, you never say the word mold in my industry, okay? Just that anybody watching okay. this, never say okay. that word mold. Don't say rot. Don't say mold. <laughs> why? Mean, because, why? Because, why? Because mold has a, usually has a separate area where okay. there's a max on what they'll pay for, right? Ah, so, and my okay. thing yeah. is always this. This is very important. What caused the mold? What causes yeah. mold? Yeah. What, what, let me ask you. What causes mold? Does your company want to build your brand and get more jobs in the neighborhoods you're currently working in? The Brick by Brick playbook allows you to establish your brand, your reputation, and gain trust in any neighborhood in your service area with a series of four postcards sent once a week to the neighbors of your current jobs. If you want to get more work in the neighborhoods you're currently working in, get with the team at Dope Marketing and get your Brick by Brick playbook set up today. Uh, it Water getting into the well, structure. I, you got the answer. First word out yeah. of your mouth. There it is right there. Bingo. Water yeah. damage. Okay. So yeah. most of the protocol that yeah. it takes to make the repairs yeah. for mold is very similar to water damage. You know, so if you just, if you keep it in the water damage uh, category and not be talking and using the word mold, yeah. you're going to get paid to do all of the work to get it back to where it needs to be. You know, yeah. Typically, usually. Sorry, what I was kind of just getting at there is like, there will always be there's always damage to roofs and there's always there's always a need to fix those and if you don't fix it there's deeper problems right so there's there's Correct. always going to be a mechanism Correct. there it happens to be insurance now um i think i think this is an interesting like a lot of your guys your uh courses your um workshops that you put on around the country partly you're just teaching roofers it sounds like how to talk about these things as to get more things approved um, Absolutely. And to make and it, listen, to make yeah. it easier, right? So one thing I have to, I'm, I'm remiss if I don't say this, one, the biggest reason why I don't advocate appraisals, uh, immediately sending it out to a public adjuster, like public adjusters are awesome. Some of them are, um, you know, there, there's a, a small percentage I find that are really, really good, um, but they are needed. So I don't want to throw them under the bus. A lot of I'm friends with, I, I'm hired yeah. by some of them. They come to my events, you know, so I can't, I can't talk negatively. Um, I do believe in the concept of a public adjuster, but I just, I think people go wrong where they're sending everything out to a public adjuster. Yeah. So, but here appraisal, public adjuster, or sending it out to an attorney, which also sometimes you have to do um, yeah. any of those three things delay delay it takes forever to get through that process so i mean when you go through the appraisal process the the, the nationwide average that i've sort of come up with unofficially from doing all these events i ask the questions how long does it take you on average i would say it's eight to twelve months eight to twelve months and what client property owner wants to go through that when actually man you don't 
have to. You don't have to. If you use the methods of actually putting in the work to do the inspection, to identify the damage, and to put it into a legible format where you can show that evidence, okay, into an accurate estimate with all the line items there, and then working with the insurance company, like going through the prop, dealing with their nonsense, but continuing to work with it. You know, they ask you questions, you get back to them, right? When they write an estimate and you, you have your rebuttal ready, right? So, I mean, it, but it, but it's putting in the work. It really is putting the work. And the supplement mm. doesn't end um, when they when you get through the approval process and you go build the roof. When you go build it, you're continuing to supplement because there are other things that are coming up during the job and things that they didn't want to pay for previously that you have to prove during the build. So I, I really advocate documenting the process thoroughly while you're building, and then you sort of modify your your you revise your estimate after you're finished with the job, and then it becomes an invoice. So it's estimating and invoice management. I gotta imagine that insurance companies hate you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people say that, you know, and they and they say like they imagine me out there wrestling around with them, but it's it's actually the exact opposite. Maybe from a top-down level, if they even know about I'm just, me, right? I'm just saying, but, like, for instance, I went inside, or I, Chad, I'm actually kind of like sad that this happened, but I was at <laughs> an event. I was part of an event that Steve Badger spoke at. It was okay, a Jen's yeah. event that we that we did in um, in uh, at Job Nimbus headquarters in Utah, and and she had him as her guest. And, uh, and he was, he talks a lot of smack about people that are really into supplements. He wants like, as an advocate for insurance companies, he's kind of cartoonish about it. So it's kind of fun, yeah. but like, he's, he's like, essentially like, he's like, we want you to just be done. We don't want you to supplement. Yeah. <laughs> you know basically what? Like I, I actually, I've seen Steve, Steve Badger. I, you know, he may see this, but like, I, I have a, he may not think this, but I have a strange feeling that we would get along just fine if you really knew what I'm doing, you know, because it's, I'm not trying to get to advocate for people to get over on the insurance companies. I'm just like there to call it like it is to make it accurate. The accuracy actually does win. If you know how to go about getting, you know, collecting the evidence properly. That's the thing is like, so like with insurance companies, one of my methods, one of my strategies actually is to go out and try to do the insurance adjuster's estimate for them. Like if, if we get through the process together and they understand that I'm using Xactimate like they are, then I could provide my ESX data file for them that they can plug into their system, remove my letterhead, put their letterhead on it, maybe still make some changes to my estimate, but I've done all their work for them. I've done all mm -hmm. the sketches, I've done all the photos, like all the really hard work that takes time. I'm trying to actually do that for them, but they but they have to be able to be confident in my abilities to do that too. You know, throughout that meeting, they don't want to have shoddy work, put their name on shoddy work, you know? So, but I really try to do their work for them as much as possible, at least where it comes to the estimate side of things, but it's accurate and it, it's going through and it's, it's not adding fluff on there. Like we're not putting a, a porter potty and a crane <laughs> on a job site and a jobs and a storage container where it's like a 20 square roof, you know, like yeah. I think too many people do that and they put way too many unnecessary things on there that they can't justify. 
And that gives the roofers, roofers a bad name. And that's why I think you yeah. started within this show. My question is, how are we supposed to pee? <laughs> what? We can't get a porta potty. Okay. I saw. <laughs> I mean, how long are you doing this job? It takes like a few hours. Full. It takes a day. <laughs> yeah. Well, you ever see a Gatorade bottle full of piss on a job site? It doesn't look that professional to the homeowner. Yeah, so, yeah. Get your ass in the truck and drive down the gas station around the corner. That's what I say. Right. Yeah. Okay. Or somebody make a shield. You know, somebody make a barrier. <laughs> but don't don't put the porta potty on the estimate. I feel you. All right. Yeah. This is a short podcast, so I I appreciate you providing you as much it, value man. as possible and like. I really, I just want to note, I personally believe in long, the longer workshop style as a way to train your people. Like I, I think like it's better sometimes than the variety show thing that we yeah, do at sure. events. I uh -huh. like the deeper, um, all right, Deep everyone dive, get out yeah. the, the clipboard. Let's take a ton of notes. Let's get out of this thing with some like money makers. Um, yeah. We go all day. Yeah, I love that. So talk to me. Uh, what are your next couple of locations? Sure, man. I'm, I'm leaving tomorrow. I, I'm in, uh, so I live in Springboro, Ohio. I moved from Dallas, Texas uh, after my divorce. And, um, but which was last year, just, well, just finalized it recently. But uh, I'm leaving for driving to Grand Rapids where I have an event Friday is my next one. Grand Rapids. after that is uh, Michigan. Michigan, okay. Michigan, yeah. And um, so really looking forward to that one. And then Washington, D.C. comes after that. Chicago. Um, InsuranceRestorationTraining.com is my okay. website. You know, and, and I always have like a link to our events there. And uh, I, we and I do hear great word of mouth the about these events. Like I've seen a lot of chatter online about people saying these events are really, really good for them and their team. We love training uh, as leaders and as company owners. But like sometimes you just got to get your people Cause like, okay, you know, building codes, Mr. CEO. Great. How do you get yeah. this stuff proliferated? And sometimes people can hear, they, they can only take in so much from us as business owners too. They need, they need other people to tell you that them the same things and then they get it. So yeah. sometimes just go get your people to these things. Even if you're training internally, these things are really good to kind of just drill people on important stuff. So, I mean, these, this stuff makes people money, basically. Well, I started in 2019. I started as the the 100 town tour where I went to a hundred places that year. And, wow. uh, but then it, ro it rolled into you know, 2020 and then COVID happened. Then I got back to it the next year. But, um, so I started it almost five years ago and I'm still doing <laughs> it. I really enjoy it a lot. Like uh, the many times I I've taken breaks and then I gear it back up again, you know, but I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to do it again. But I, it just, I always want to get back out there. I love these training events more than anything, I believe. And I've had events where there's like 150 people there. It's just amazing that these people would want to even hear anything I have to say. But it, 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 is, it has changed people's lives. And I, and I only know that from what they've told me, you know. But, um, yeah, we do. It's an all-day deep dive. We have um, a full buffet lunch, you know, for an hour in the middle. And uh, I give away a ton of documents and forms, building codes. 27 different Xactimate estimate templates for different projects that I personally wrote. They get to keep, wow. you know, a lot of valuable uh, information. And um, so I do that. I do private company training. 
So uh, what's the ticket? What's your average ticket price? It's, right now they're 500. They were okay. uh, 500 a ticket. You know, if you buy five, you get a, a six one for free and uh, I like just that. raise That's the part. Just raise the prices um, the way I do. That's the early bird discount. Once you hit 50, they go up to like 50 tickets sold. It goes up to 700. It used to be 300 going up to 500. And uh, I actually, it was just very difficult because I don't have any sponsors or, ven sponsors or vendors that I have. And so, you know, you have 150 people. You think, well, you're making a ton of money. You're really not. You know, you have the advertising and the oh, hotel man. expenses. You know, it's very not, expensive. Yeah, everything is yeah, so expensive. It's, it's, I'll be it's real. Not a profitable I, gig. Dad, you're a beast. I mean, like these things are not that. I mean, I've been part of a lot of events that have lost money. Personally, yeah, oh, like, yeah. yeah. And I mean, it like, looks we a lot it. easier than it than it than it really is, doesn't it, man? Yeah, <laughs> to exactly. go on a tour. I, I kind of knew it was going to be tough. I knew it was, <laughs> knew it going into it, but like, I'm on. I'm I'm doing it for a different reason. I'm doing it because I want the exposure. But of course, those, type, yeah. those types of events get there. They can be less valuable for that reason because there's too many of us trying to get exposure from them. And not enough real meat and potatoes. Real training. value, yeah, yeah. And your time, your time, and I'm not. I'm not saying they're all like that, but I'm saying like, there's an element of that, right? So, your time is really important. Your team's time is really important, and maybe mm -hmm. an owner can go to those things and meet some new vendors, and that's valuable and stuff like that. But like, when you bring out five people from your team, it's it's nice to go to these deeper training events because like I need I need everyone here to get nuggets. That's going to make yeah. our company money. Oh, that's like, I, I tell people in the beginning, I am desperate to provide you with value today. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I, I lay it all out there. Like I, I am, I probably have a complex, you know, that I don't deliver enough, you know, so I'm always yeah. trying to over deliver, you know, I'm always trying to go beyond what people expect of me to do, it's you funny know, though because like, um, that's I almost, people are like, there all these events should be free. And I'm like, literally like, no, these events, <laughs> well, should, we should do a better job on the front end, making sure they're valuable and you should pay for your let events. Me, when you let pay me, for your let, events, yeah. Dude, I've heard all that all my life. Let me just, let me prove it to you right now. I did a free event in, in Fort My or Cape Coral back a couple months ago. It was the only free event I've ever done. And I was like, I'm going to do a put on a free event for all these contractors down here really getting it. And I registered 99 tickets, okay, where people signed up for free. 99. No advertising. I just put it out on Facebook a few times. 99. Freaking 33 people showed up, dude. <laughs> I paid for, like, all this food that they wouldn't even let me take with me. And I'm just, like, I'm so heartbroken that – these folks took that opportunity and ruined it for everybody. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I can never do that again. <laughs> Danger of free so, events. Oh, dude. I mean, I'm still paying for that one. You know, That's so, funny. yeah. Um, yeah, but man, I, I, I'm like you. Yeah. Exposure is I, why I, I like to do it. I want to help people. Well, hey, I no, man, I, I appreciate what you're doing out there. And I... uh yeah, if there's any other call to actions or anything else you want to do on this at the end here, but otherwise, uh, yeah, just really no, appreciate it. Uh, yeah, so, 
just uh, there's a few things I do. Like there's that. Um, there is uh, I I still work on. I still have an inspection, estimating, and supplement service. Just not as big as it once. You know, I, I specialize in bigger projects and uh, clients who have a lot of projects. So I still have that. I do company training. I have my online cert- uh, online training course still at iescertified.com. Um, all of these things you can get to, you can find uh, through my website at insurancerestorationtraining.com. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for being on. Man, thanks podcast. for having me, brother. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I love what podcast. you're doing, man. Thank you. Uh, put on my hook agency. You're an OG yourself. You've been around for a number of I'm years. Like I, oh, I, that, I went back. That'd be so funny. Yeah. If, if I was anybody OG, checks out your YouTube channel, yeah. like you've been doing this stuff for years and years and years yeah. and years, putting it in. Yeah, the yeah. And we we've been talking. I mean, we've been trying to talk to contractors for like six years, but we sure. really just started saying no to anybody who's not. Uh, wow. home service businesses or contractors uh, two years ago now. So that's why it does, wow. I don't feel like I've been, you know, I'm not like I haven't been sure. fully knit sure. for two years, but we've been talking to roofers for a long time um, and had, you know, I've had a client for even longer than I've had my business, uh, a roofing client for, I think it's like nine years now, kind of crazy, but uh, yeah, I guess you could say I'm a little bit of an RG, but that feels Dude, weird you're to a, say. So, yeah. You're a real practitioner. That's what that Thanks. is, you know. I so. appreciate that. I I do think people do notice how relentless we are, at least on content, and that kind of speaks to other things. You know what I mean? Like if we're that relentless on our own, like social media and video and stuff like that, you you best believe that we've got a high standard internally for how we handle our client uh, services. So appreciate that, man. Absolutely, man. I'm a big fan. Keep winning, brother. Awesome. Thank you, All sir. Right. And Thanks for having me on. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening, uh, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.